You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Food feature. It's 16 minutes past uh, one and we're talking food at the moment. We're taking you to a short little strip in Parktown. Um, and on the corner of 4th Avenue and 13th Avenue, you will find a new addition to the restaurant landscape. And that is um, Embark Restaurant, which is in Parkist. Um, Dar- Darren O'Donovan is the co-owner alongside Lisa De Beer, And Darren joins us now. Chef Darren joins us to tell us the story of Embark. Good afternoon, Darren, and congratulations on the award. What uh, three nights ago. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, lovely week. Um, what did that did, did that give you some sort of affirmation, um, some a boost for what you've decided to do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a, it was a brave decision, obviously, opening up in this COVID, and um, I think it's one that we're very thankful that we we uh, jumped into it and stuck by with it. <laughs> and um, I think, truth be told, we're very privileged during this time to have such a full restaurant and such good support and following. So. Very blessed, and uh, sort of, certainly sort of from humble beginnings, I think. Mm, mm. And we'll, we'll 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 explore that journey in a bit. But um, a crisis also creates entrepreneurial opportunities. And every time I speak to uh, businesses that have opened in the midst of this pandemic, it always comes to mind that actually a crisis uh, creates entrepreneurial opportunities. And you struck. Um, tell me about why this was such an opportune moment in terms of the marketplace. I don't know. We just, uh, Lisa and myself, obviously my business partner, have always been uh, determined to earn our own place. And um, we we explored the option, obviously, before COVID, and, and rental through Parkers was at a, as an all-time high. And um, obviously, when COVID took in, we uh, started to, to just explore the options again and uh, managed to find that the rentals were down at an all-time low. Unfortunately, quite a few businesses had already closed. We could pick up a lot of equipment that was quite affordable. And truth be told, a lot of the, the good staff members through the years that we worked with were all unemployed and looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. So everything just sort of lined up. And before we knew it, we had this venue, we had a team, and uh, we had a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and you've worked at a host of uh, a lot of great restaurants over the years. Um, and you then opened your, your, your place. I used to eat sushi at the restaurant that was there before, uh, corner 4th and 13th. And what a transformation. Uh, you've kept it really modern, yet um, quite elegant. Completely. So... We were quite fortunate to go along and do quite a bit of traveling through Europe and gather a bit of inspiration and stuff many years ago. Mm. And um, one of the places that we really enjoyed and appreciated was the Scandinavian style. And um, obviously through the restaurant itself, we've kept very neutral wood colors, um, quite a lot of earthy notes running through it. But there's also elements of, of sort of modernness with having the metal wooden frames and just a bit of sleekness that comes and goes through the restaurant. Yes, yes. And then, of course, the touches that go with uh, a fine dining and unpretentious experience, because let's be clear, this is also, this is fine dining. Um, things like just the quality of the glass, the plates, the, cro- the, 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 the cutlery and crockery. So you may not have gone all loud in, in the decor, but there are obviously areas that you simply cannot skimp on. Definitely. So that's it. I mean, there's attention to detail across the board. Mm. And as you said, it's unpretentious, but uh, a focus on very high in food. So it's always a standing joke in Arabia. In summertime, you'll find me in shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> but uh, 
what matters most is the food that you're consuming. Yes, yes. You say that you're fully uh, booked, privileged to be fully booked, and a lot of that has to do with um, your own track record, the following that you've built over the years. Um, and the two of you as a pair, I want to know about what what makes for magic between the two of you, uh, you and Lisa. But ultimately, it's also about the name that you've built over time from Cube Restaurant to Cosmopolitan, you know, and uh, uh, the, the people who have followed you to these different uh, restaurants it's uh i must say it's very overwhelming we've uh, we've come across so many familiar faces that have joined us from day one mm. and and they've watched our journey and it's sort of they've become more friends as opposed to customers now so the relationships that we do have now it's just it's very special it's very amazing and um obviously lisa and myself we go back to early days of tube tasting kitchen when she, she was a trainee and i was the head chef there and uh <laughs> essentially it's uh been five years of, of ups and downs and a lot of fun and entertainment, but now we find ourselves in our own little business and a great little business partner to be working with. Yeah, yeah. And then you added uh, Mitchell Duplessis uh, to complete the trio. What's happening at the back there in the kitchen? Yeah, so he uh, he runs the kitchen and he's uh, the man behind all of the action of the food and stuff like that, and uh, also a great talent. Mm-hmm. He was uh, came to us supposed to us when we were at Cuba and didn't quite know what he wanted to do with his life. And uh, we said, cool, jump in the kitchen and we'll help you along. And true, it's nuts. So after we left you, we continued with Dario and came back to us two years later and here he is. <laughs> That's lovely. It's amazing. It's a cool story. Yeah. Let's consider, let's look for a moment uh, what's on the menu because I love to look at what's on the menus of restaurants because it also tells you the story of the journey, who the chef is, you know, what they, what the influences are. So what, what's on your menu that you're really, really proud of? Cause you're getting rave reviews, uh, for different items for your, from your prawn, uh, from your prawn dish. Uh, you know, someone went there for a party the other night, a birthday party and they just kept talking about uh, um, the, the food. So let's, let's look at what's on the menu and it, what it tells us about the journey and even the travels you've been on. Yeah, definitely. So as I said, obviously the travels have inspired us with uh, almost amalgamating all the different cuisines that we ate and uh, showcasing it here locally but with the use of local ingredients. Mm. Like a good example of that is that we're very proud of the one Baraka dish that we've got. And there's a young lady that started up a little business also through covid and makes the most incredible artisanal burrata and obviously Italian inspired, yeah. but late made locally and in South Africa. And we've just showcased that currently with a whole bunch of citrus fruits based on the fact that it's obviously seasonal mm. and uh, a little bread to mop up all the cheesiness and the gooeyness and stuff like that. So really, really delectable. Um, one of the standout dishes again is our risotto and it's, uh, it's a combination of caramelized onions that we cooked down for six hours mm. and uh, cooking it for so long it starts to sort of deepen the flavors and you get the sweet note and you get this umami note and we fold that through this risotto and right at the end a generous handful of parmesan cheese which obviously just binds it all together and makes it the sticky gooeyness and mm. it just melts in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing every time we talk food here it's just you end up just salivating you almost want to leave what you're doing stop what you're doing and go and <laughs> grab a seat and you know enjoy the food um exactly. it's yeah. So with everything that you've done before, we talked about Cube Tasting Kitchen, you know, and some other restaurants that you've been to. Um, how do you keep things fresh? You know, it, it's almost as if how, how deep does that well run of creating new flavors, new combinations so that it doesn't feel as though we're having an old experience? Look, I think there's inspiration all around us. Um, 
just a, a good example of that is now obviously we've just gone through autumn time. Yeah. And I think you're just driving down the road, especially going into Barkhurst, there's a lot of sort of trees that are losing all their, their oak leaves. And uh, the natural colours and just having a look at the leaves falling got us into creating a little tortellini dish. And we've uh, finished the dish off with parsnip chips and they're literally just loosely thrown on top of the dish. Mm. And it's a great representation of the season. Um, and that's that's purely just one example. I mean, we, we if you, you can pick up a book and you can find inspiration. You can go to another restaurant and find it. I think if you just keep your eyes open and... and have the, the creative sort of outlook almost. I think it just naturally comes to us. So yeah. we're very fortunate for that. What do you think of uh, the, the the food scene in, in Joburg, in Gauteng? Because, you know, we always come second, it seems, to what's happening in the Western Cape. But when I look at the list of winners um, from the Hospitality Council's um, Lux Restaurant Awards, I'm really impressed because we've featured so many of these restaurants over the years, over the past couple of months, and it suggests that there's a refinement that is going on uh, with our food here. Completely. I completely agree with that. And I think um, for many years, as you said, it's always been about the Western Cape. And uh, I think the, the, the restaurant scene in Johannesburg and the guys that are involved with restaurants are really trying to push the boundaries and offer mm. something a bit unique and a bit different. Mm. I, um, I often always say as well, the experience we have in Cape Town is, is it's luxurious because invariably if I've been in Cape Town and gone to a restaurant, I've been sitting at a wine farm having wine all morning and taking a leisurely drive through the vineyards to a restaurant and you sit down for four or five hours and enjoy yourself. Whereas Joburg is obviously a lot more fast-paced and people are in and out and it's a quick business meeting or it's a dinner before going to put the, bed, the kids to bed and, and things like that. So I think... Joburg has had to adapt their models and their markets and I think it's taken a bit of time but I think everyone's starting to nail it on the head mm-hmm. we're starting to find ourselves with some great restaurants in and around Johannesburg mm, Absolutely, and speaking of wine Lisa is a sommelier, yes she's a chef uh, as well, so what have you That's done right. with the pairing of your food in the restaurant considering how much of an interest and uh, a passion it is for her? Well, that's it. So, so we do we do everything together, which is obviously a, a, a massive benefit. I mean, then spend your hands and make light work. So the two of us together often sit down and taste different wines and different farms and small producers, and and ninety percent of the time we land up discussing what we were paired with and how we would sort of serve it and what it goes with and whatever it might be. And um, based on that as well, we've kept the wine list relatable and familiar, mm. but you can also go and explore some unique things that are a little bit different or it's a label that you haven't seen or heard of before. And uh, truth be told, we started off with 40 to 45 wines, and I think we're up to almost 72 wines on the list now. Wow. And I think it's going to be an evolution that continues to grow. Wow. That's impressive in the short space of time. Incredible. Um, so yeah, what are the hours, you know, for anyone listening now, and when we talk about being fully booked, <laughs> how long is the wait? <laughs> so we've, uh, the restaurant's a small restaurant, so that's one of the benefits, that it is only 32 seats. Um, but those 32 seats, we like to try and get customers to sit down and enjoy their space. So we're not going to mm-hmm. those restaurants that rush you out and try and turn it around. Um, so that being said, on the weekends and invariably dinners Wednesday through to Sunday is our operational days. Um, dinners are fully booked out for about two to three weeks in advance. Oh um, Friday, Saturday and Sunday lunches are not far behind. Our quietest times are on a Wednesday and a Thursday, but I mean, that's a lot of the time that you'll find Lisa and myself sitting in a restaurant drinking wine, or not least drinking, but tasting wine. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, there's been a huge demand, and what is nice is as soon as we get down into springtime, we've got a beautiful wraparound balcony that sits on the outside of the restaurant. Yeah. And our initial thought behind that was for people to come there and actually have a very European experience, just sitting curbside, 
and have your glass of wine and have a great plate of food and let the conversation roll and watch the world go by. Mm. You know, I, I, I love Fourth Avenue and when I see uh, the turnover of uh, tenants and so on, you know, it always gets me concerned because it is such a lovely strip. There's very few spots like that in our city. Um, and it, it, it's, it's a space that I think if you go in there, uh, it has to be about collaboration, businesses working together to keep the vibe, uh, just the essence and the atmosphere of the strip, uh, because it's to the benefit of everybody who has a business on that strip to keep it safe because curbside, uh, uh, has had its issues in recent time with opportunistic uh, uh, criminals. But I know yeah, that uh, I think it's uh, Beagle Securities, well, one of the security companies tries to uh, be ever present. So I hope you have a wonderful time out there, that you you, you find a home um, and that you your presence along with Kolonaki, Moderna and other restaurants that are there will just mark a new, a new wave for Fourth Avenue. No, definitely. I think uh, I think we've been well received. As I said, it's been eight months now, and uh, it's very much community driven. So the guys across the road from us, if they run out of a, a bottle of something, they come running across. Oh. <laughs> I had a I had a laugh at Mitchell running across the other, other day with two carrots in his hand. So it's literally like <laughs> borrow from the neighbour and get back. And I think uh, I think that sense of community is amazing because everyone, as they said, people love coming to Parkhurst, and and essentially we're not competition because. You'll come to us one day, you'll go to the next restaurant the yeah. next day, and at least we're keeping it within the streets and keeping the street busy and vibey and trendy. Mm-hmm. Everyone benefits wins. All the, benefits all the businesses, so it's, it's great to have. Everyone wins. Darren, cheers, yeah. and thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for the time, and uh, great hearing from you again. Thank you. That's Darren O'Donovan and co-owner of Embark. That's Embark Restaurant, the winners of um, New Restaurant of the Year. At